0: We have a lot of people in our house on a regular basis, I mean, there are hundreds of people that are in and out of our house regularly, in and out and in and out, we've got friends, we have family, we have uh, church things like small group meetings, rehearsals, I mean, in and out, in and out, swim team, in and out, and the thing about when you have a lot of people in your home, stuff wears out, stuff breaks, stuff disappears, <laughs> it happens, believe it or not, um, Recently, Jenny wanted to kind of reupholster and and redo the cushions of a couch that we have in the family room, and she was on the phone with the company for the fabric, and and the lady is telling her, well, ma'am, ma'am, that line that you're talking about, that's what we sell to universities to put in their dorm room, you know, dorm lounge furniture. That's the wrong line. Didn't you say this was for a home? And, And Jenny, on her end of the line, goes, yes, it's for a home, but you don't understand. I'm a pastor's wife pregnant pause oh so you do need the industrial line (laughs) I'm used to it over the over the years things have broken I've had more than one person come to me sheepishly because the toilet seat cracked it's happened we we had a gathering once at our kitchen table and someone was in a chair and we heard boom they totally hit the floor I thought I was going to have to call 911. I thought they split their head open i mean i was like (laughs) but she she was okay everybody was okay we had a good laugh over it but the chair the chair was gone forever (laughs) okay it happens but i'm i'm used to these kind of things but when you're a kid when you're a kid that's hard for my kids some some of the times it's been hard for them you know when you're a kid sharing is so natural (laughs) oh you have you've got kids too okay so It takes a long time training a kid, you know, you've got this toy, share this toy with your brother, share this toy, you know. So we work really hard with kids on sharing. And then you're going to have guests and and friends that come in the home and it's going to break their toy or hurt their toy or worse, the toy disappears. So when my kids were older, especially the two older ones when they were little, I had the daddy replacement plan. The daddy replacement plan. This is how it worked. I would ask them to, to have a certain amount of toys that were out We would have people over or whatnot that that could be played with, and if anything got broken or missing, daddy would replace it brand new at no cost to them, free. I remember the first time I explained this to them and I said, Okay, so you know, choose some toys to leave out. They collected everything they owned, hid it in their room except a set of wooden blocks. (laughs) It's like, No, we're gonna have to work a little harder, (laughs) okay, but at no risk to them, at no risk at all. And they're still afraid to leave some things out. I have to admit, at age forty-five, I know what that's like. <laughs> I do. Um, I, I know what it's like to go <laughs> when it comes to finances. Um, there have been times I've written uh, God checks that have been like a thousand dollars, and I've looked at that check and I've been like, "What if? What if I need that for something? Or what if I should be saving more than I am? Or?" You know, does anybody else do this? And then these days I have in the back of my head the fears of medical bills, medical bills, medical bills. And no offense, John Mark, college, college, college. You know, you know when I was 30, I had this plan. I, I planted a church instead. The plan hasn't come to fruition. So I'm going, college, ah! You know, it's like a bird. I feel like I need a paper bag sometimes, you know, right? Where you do the, <laughs> okay? So finances can be that way. It can be that way. Um, and in that moment when fear settles in, it robs me of the joy of being generous. But the thing about fear is that fear and faith are twins that were separated at birth. Did you know that? Fear and faith are actually twins that were separated at birth. They both have to do with uncertainty, and they both have to do with the future. Fear walks it out this way. I'm not 100% sure how this is going to play out, but I know it's going to be bad. That's fear faith is, I'm not 100% sure how this is going to play out, but at the end of the day, God's going to take care of things. Totally different. Both have to do with uncertainty. Both have to do with the future. And faith and fear play out differently. Nowhere is this more evident than two Christian schools. So I'm going to tell you the tale of two Christian schools. The one of them I can't name because they put these sermons online, and I don't want somebody from that school accidentally hearing it and then calling me and going, you called our school stingy and then having me have to say yes but you are (laughs) it's just bad for everybody if it plays out that way so so we have no name university where my friend works no name university and asbury university because i get to brag on asbury today okay so no name university um and over the years they've gotten huge grants i mean huge amounts of money like tens of millions of dollars but it's always you know weirdly designated you know it has to be for the endowed chair of science or you know, some building that they really don't need. So it's, it's money, but they haven't been able to use it for regular expenses. And in the last five years, my friend has told me, you know, they've had to really do the, <gasps> tighten the belt. They've cut staff. They've even cut administration. I know. I mean, I, you know you know, it's bad when they're cutting administrators. Like, oh ah! Okay? So they've done that. And last summer, a, uh, a youth ministry contacted them and said, hey, we want to do um, our summer camp at your... Uh, Christian school you're a Christian university it's an ideal location could 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 we meet there and could could we do it you know basically for free? Would you be willing to do that? you know you're a Christian school, we're a Christian thing now, part of it is that they reach troubled teens. it's part of the camp thing. but my friend says the leadership got together and they had a powwow about it, and they were like, whoa, you know we can't have these kids come in here, and we can't afford the air conditioning for all that, and oh my goodness, what if they break things? We can't pay for that, So they went back and they told the ministry. No, you can't do that. We couldn't do that for free. So the ministry, uh, well, you know, gosh, that was a really great location. Well, okay, what if we rented it from you? What would it, what would it cost to rent? So the leadership, met and they, you know, and then the little accountants were there. and It was a lot of money. So they went back to the ministry, and they said, it'll cost you a billion dollars, and we can't afford that. So they had to go someplace else. So there's No Name University. Then there's Asbury University. Long ago when Asbury University was Asbury College, somebody donated to them, gave them a TV production trailer. So if you know anything about TV production trailers, they're like really expensive. I mean, like NBC has one, CNN has one, but you know, it's not like, you know, oh yeah, I got a couple of those in the backyard on, you know, concrete, you know, (laughs) concrete building blocks, You you can have one. Nobody keeps spare TV trailers, okay? And so this person gave it to Asbury. Now part of their thing in giving it to Asbury was now, If anybody ever needs this I want you to lend it out but Asbury University has kind of had this mindset of you know hey you know if we have something and somebody else needs it you know we'll share God will take care of us so uh, a number of years ago uh, NBC if I'm getting I hope I'm getting the story right from Dr. Gray NBC had some kind of weird fire and it knocked out a couple of their TV production trailers and it was the Olympics and they needed a production trailer and they were like what are we going to do? We need production trailers. Oh, So they, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of, a, of, of an NBC executive is like, hey, there's this podunk school in Kentucky. They, you know, they, they got one. It's like brand new. Call them. Rent one from them. So NBC calls Asbury, which was then Asbury College. Hey, Asbury College, here you got this production trailer. Yeah. Hey, we need it for the Olympics. Name your price. Now at that moment, you need to know Asbury was desperate for money. That one thing has not changed over time, by the way. <laughs> if you're an Asbury College alum, know this, the college is still poor. Okay? So they, they needed the money, but the leadership got together and they had this conversation They're like, well, the donor intended us to basically share, and you know, our attitude has been share. And... So Asbury College, at the time, went back to NBC and said, um, yes, you can have the trailer, but you can have it for free. Now, you guys look like really smart people. I'm going to ask you a straight up question. You look really you look so smart today. You do. Okay? Which which college was more in the lines of faith and generosity? Was it No Name U or Asbury U? Okay. All right. Whew. Yes. Yes indeed. See, when you and I are generous and when we're wanting to be generous we're going to be we're going to be racked with fear. Fear is going to come into the equation and I want you to know that. And so today I want to address some of those fears because the temptation just like for No Name University or Asbury University the temptation is to hold on to things you need. The temptation is not to share. The temptation is to be afraid. Which is why when Jesus taught about being generous the very next thing that he teaches about is birds and flowers. What? I know. Let's get into it. Luke chapter 12. This is where we've been twice already. And this is the last time we're coming back to this verse. So Luke chapter 12. uh, And we're going to start in verse 22. And they'll put this up on the big screen. Okay. Wouldn't that be fun if you could do that at home? Just do the magic. You know, when you say things to your spouse. I could record that for you for free. Okay. And you could push a button on your phone. Um, So Luke chapter 12, verse My Bible's flipping on me. Verse 22. So Jesus, immediately before this, tells the story of the rich fool. Remember that guy who had a bumper crop? And he goes, man, what do I do? You know, I've struck gold. I'm rich. And he builds bigger barns. What was the guy's mistake? He thought all of that was for himself. That was his mistake. That's why God says that he's a fool in the passage. And so then Jesus launches in right after that story into this passage, and this is what Jesus says. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Don't worry. You're like, yeah, but you're Jesus. He's saying, hey, don't worry. See, if you value money and possessions the way other people do, you're going to worry about stuff all the time your life is more important than food your body's more important than clothing and you and i would go well duh if i don't have a body what do i care about clothes if i'm dead what do i care about food you know that's kind of like a duh well jesus is implying well then if god has given you life and body he'll provide food and clothing so then he goes on and he gives several examples verse 24 look at the ravens they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for god feeds them and are you, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worrying add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Okay, so he talks about ravens, which are birds. Argument number one from Jesus. Look at God's care for his creatures. God feeds birds. You are much more important than birds. Therefore, God is paying attention to you god sees when you have a need god notices when you're crying out when you're in a tough spot god sees and god cares then he goes on and he talks about that whole worrying thing um can all your worrying at a single moment of your life and you and i would go no it really can't but it can make you really sick and have intestinal problems i know um and so he he maps out why worrying you know worry doesn't accomplish anything Okay, so quit it. Stop worrying. And you're like, Jesus, quit. And then he goes on, verse 27. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Look at God's provision in nature. If God cares about flowers, he cares about you so much more. Jesus is talking about something that was a natural response in the face of generosity. So then comes the kicker uh, at the end, verse 29 and following. Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. So what he's saying is, uh, when you worry, when you worry It's what unbelievers do who don't even understand God's care for them, right? And then the kickers, uh, these things, but your father, second part of, of verse 30, but your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. In essence, what Jesus is saying is, if you'll be about my needs, if you'll be about my kingdom, caring for the poor, advancing my kingdom, I'll be about your needs, and so generosity actually results in needs being met now here's what it isn't this isn't a um sometimes in america we have this thing called the prosperity gospel which is the oh cool so if i give and i'm generous it's so that i become a gazillionaire and they blow glitter out of the vents no that's not how it works it's not how it works okay it's not a give to get thing but when we put god's kingdom first when we're faithful we can count on god to meet our needs And you don't have to take my word for it I asked three different people that would tell you real life stories of god coming through for them Because here's what I know what happens when you hear from someone else and you hear that god came through for them Right or wrong you judge them and you go. Well, god did that for them. Then he'll do that for me Which is good right, so the first of those is mike, right? So mike's going to come up from teamless age and I have my three magic questions That i'm going to ask And I even have a microphone. They gave me one up front. They trusted me with this, which is scary. And I'm trusting you with that, which is also scary. (laughs) You're giving me a weapon. Be careful. Okay. So what financial need did you have? And did it seem insurmountable to you? (laughs)
1: Well, we've had quite a few. So with your permission, I have a a little more story. Um, The song this morning, you make all things work together for my good. Okay, the story starts in 1986. I had an accident at work, pretty well destroyed my back. I'm out of work now. I'm 32 years old, and I'm crippled, and I don't know Jesus, okay? This is the day where I'm laying in my cabin all day, every day, playing with my 357, wondering, is today the day? Um, as it happened at that time in Alaska, workmen's comp laws being what they were, Um, tax laws being what they were, how did God provide for our need for our income? I actually made more money staying at home for two and a half years than I would have made had I worked. Okay? At the end of that two and a half years, we settled our claim with workman's comp, and we received a sizable payout. We, at that time, did one of the wisest things we ever did in our whole lives with money. We paid off all of our debt. Cars, cars credit cards, house, everything. None of that means much all by itself, but the reality of it is, is when I got saved in 1987, God spoke to me and he said, you're going to be a missionary. Okay, and I said, okay, here's what we'll do. While we're passing time waiting for the sending, because as most people in ministry know, the calling is not always the sending. <coughs> I uh, went to work part-time, paid the bills, and went to Bible school. God met our needs all the way through. We decided, okay, we're going to go to Mexico. How are we going to pay for it? We're in a church that's smaller than this one and poorer than this one, and they said, we'll give you 10% of our income. Well, that was about $400 a month, but we had a paid-for house. We sold our house, we carried the note, and we received monthly income from the house. We sold out (laughs) my poor wife's retirement fund and received a monthly check from that, and that came to about $1,200 a month. Everybody that we talked to in Mexico said, you need at least $3,000 a month to live here. And we said, nah, you need $3,000 a month to live here. We're from Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) So off we went. How did God meet our needs? We always had a house. We always had food. And every Wednesday after church, we took our 10 best friends out and fed them tacos. And every Sunday after church, we took our 10 best friends out and fed them tacos. And we never once missed a payment, never once missed a meal, even though we made a third of the money that everybody said we had to have. One more aside on that trip to Mexico, I took my wife and our one-year-old son and off we went to Mexico, no problem, we got it made. First month there, check didn't come from Alaska. My wife looked at me and said, well, honey, what are we going to do? And I did the thing that you should never do, gentlemen. Never look at your wife when she's holding your one-year-old son, and she's worried, and she says, what are we going to do, and answer, I don't know. (laughs) We waited. We prayed. We waited. We prayed. We talked about it yesterday, and both of us come to the same conclusion. We don't know what happened but it was all okay. There was no miraculous outpouring of money. There was no miraculous moment that we can say, this is when it was resolved, but we never missed a meal. We never missed a payment. We never missed anything. So God has always been there for us. What have we learned? Plan ahead. Okay, when we got a sizable insurance settlement, we didn't run out and buy a new car. We didn't run out and buy new furniture for the house. We paid off our bills because that's the wise choice, okay? What else did we learn? When it all looks like it's falling apart, don't panic because it might not be. Just trust in God and just wait and see.
2: There you go.
0: Okay. Thank you, Mike. Okay. So I got Sarah Crumb, right? So you had about, right? So you get married, and you've got all these grand plans with life, and you've got it all mapped out.
2: About six months after we got married, I got really, really sick. Um, I had that wasn't mono. wasn't in the plan. No, not at all. Um, I got mono, and then I got two flu viruses, and things really went downhill rather than me getting better. So six weeks, I was out of work, and we were making all of our bills on Nathan's one income. And he had to wrestle with well do i work late tonight and take care of the bills or do i go home because sarah's you know sleep in 24 hours has a fever of 102. um one day i needed to go get a prescription and i looked at the bank account we had 13 cents there was no way i was going to need a prescription and we had just found out that i was actually going to need major surgery so um you know we we kind of panicked what do we do what's going to happen The next day we checked the bank account and our tax refund had come in and it was a couple thousand dollars which was amazing god took us through that time of me being sick not having an income not knowing what was going to happen and not only did he see us through that but he gave us enough money that we were actually able to buy a house once i was well enough Um, and it was just an amazing thing through this whole whole ordeal i definitely clung to the verse that you used today of just god will take care of the sparrows Will he not take care of me as well? And for somebody who usually does things on her own strength, it was huge for me to be completely laid up in bed, unable to move, sleeping 24 hours, watching my husband struggle to take care of us, to meet our needs physically and also financially, and have God just deliver us this huge blessing. So it's definitely something that we carry with us through our whole life, trying to apply that to different areas. Um, but it's also taught us to be really um, financially responsible, and we started the Dave Ramsey program this summer. <laughs> so we're doing the debt snowball, and it's, it's working really well for us. Yeah.
0: When it reaches the bottom, baby, watch out, crumb.
2: Kaboom,
0: an explosion of good stuff. Okay, and I also asked Bill Brown. Bill Brown, so we all know that lawyers just have it made, right? It's easy money, da da da, especially if you're going to start something new. <laughs>
3: Well, I did start something new, um, but going back a little bit before I started, we'll kind of get to where we got uh, to the point where I started, um, I practiced defense law for insurance companies for 16 years wow. and went to several different firms and worked for a while and would go somewhere else, and the, the salary kept going up and going up, and I was making pretty decent money um, five years ago or so, okay. uh, but I hated it. mean. <laughs> It, it's, not, uh, it's not fulfilling. I was bringing home a paycheck, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. And you felt you were representing the Sith Lords <laughs> rather than the Jedi Order. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and I had the debt to go along with the income. <laughs> so you had high income and you had high debt, and you had a lot of stress and a lot of worry. Yes. Um, you weren't uh, giving like you should give. Um, it, it was stressful. So. Okay. I'd lose a job I'd get another job you know I was afraid I knew I didn't like it I knew I didn't want to do it but I knew I I wanted the paycheck (laughs) I needed the paycheck yeah Um, well last year uh, I broke my leg and I was down for six weeks or so and uh, lost that job um, and could have run back to another job and got another paycheck but I said this, you know, I wasn't even sure if I liked practicing law. I didn't think I did. Um, I said I've always kind of wanted to help people, so let's give that a try. So I started the office in April. I had uh, no money. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But uh, I knew if it, what. I... <laughs> What's <wrong with> me? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it's what I needed to do, and it's what I wanted to do. Um, So I start the office, Uh, I don't have any clients, and things just start happening. Big law firm comes to the state. They start advertising for work injuries, which is what I I do, and um, I get an email. It says, hey, we need somebody to handle some cases. They had advertised for all these cases and didn't have a single workers' comp attorney. So
0: what a coincidence.: yeah.
3: So I get a couple, and then I get a couple more, and before I know it, I've got 40 cases. Well the hardest thing to do as a, at opening any business or opening, especially a law firm, is, is building a caseload, um, because it just you, you, you need people to walk in the door, and if you haven't been there, people aren't going to walk in your door. So boom, 40 cases. So it, it's still it's still not money though. It's it's I've got work. I don't have right. money. Um, well, another attorney sends me a couple cases, and um, another attorney sends me a couple cases, and another attorney lets me cover some things for some instant income. So I'm I'm paying bills. <laughs> I'm meeting payments. In a new business, that's like weird. It is. Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, in. <laughs> I had a case ten years, uh, two thousand, so twelve years ago, and it was a small back case, and uh, she got nine or ten thousand dollars at the time, um, and, but she was able to go back to work. They'd been paying for her back treatment for those um, uh, yeah, twelve decade, years. Yeah. Well, they it was the same treatment. They decided the insurance company decided we're going to stop paying for the medical treatment. and They filed a dispute with the judge. So she calls me. I don't know how she found me, but she found me because it's, it's been several jobs since then. Um, and I said, sure, I'll help you. It's, you can't get paid in a medical fee dispute. All I could do was get her uh, benefits uh, to remain the same. Well, we get in there and, and uh, I get my proof and we're gonna win. We're, we're gonna get the lady's treatment back on. Well, we go to the conference with the judge and the other attorney and they said, uh, how about $30,000, and we'll, we'll just waive everything, you know? You don't have any more medical treatment, uh, and you don't have a job at $30,000. You'll get your pension, too. Well, she, she thought about it, and she said, no, that's not enough. And I said, well, let me see how much they're paying in medicals each, each year. I got that figure, and I said, that's $150,000 over the rest of your lifetime. We could ask for it, but there's no way they're going to give it to you, um, because it's better just for an insurance company to pay the 7,000 dollars a year. So we go and, and, uh, and I demanded 150, and they came back at uh, I think 75 or so. I went back at 150. They came up to 100, and at this point, I'm thinking, "Hey, she's going to get her money, and I'm going to get paid. <laughs> I don't have any money, this is great. And she goes, no, uh, go back at 150. So I'll go back at 150. And uh, they came up and said, how about 112? The most I can make it as attorney is $12,000 in a work comp case. He said, you'll get your 12 and she'll get her 100. I said, yeah, I am gonna get paid. Nobody's gonna walk away from $100,000. And she said, no, go back at 150. And I said, well, I can do that, but there's no way you'll get another offer. So we went back at 140, and we did that same thing a couple times, and we settled for 140. So in this case that, one, I shouldn't have had because it's been 14 years. I don't know how she found me. Two, I mean, these, I've asked attorney and every attorney in that office since we settled this case, why did y'all do that? Because it, it just doesn't happen. So you know, I, I get a, a good paycheck. I've got some money. I, I've been able to pay the business bills and the house bills. Um, but, I'm, but when I look at it, I'm bringing home right. present it's day. It's not possible. I'm bringing <laughs> ho- present day LeSage money from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, it you know. I, it's, uh, you, so what have you learned about God? Uh, he provides. Uh, he'll find a way uh, okay. to make things happen. Um, and even though you're making the sage money, um, That's the money. your the life is so much better. Money. The, the debt is not there anymore. Um, I, I don't. I don't know how the bills are being paid. Um, I, I used to have the spreadsheet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I get you. I had yep. 18 months of spreadsheets, of budgets going out. You know, into the future. I was paying. You know, I had plans for everything. Well, um, I, I don't. I don't budget anymore. Uh, that's probably not a good thing but it, everything is getting paid I, okay. I pay uh, God first and then I, I don't worry about the rest and it works thank you Bill Thanks. so
0: I, I have some questions that I want to ask you you smart people right? in the realm of finances what are you most afraid of in the realm of finances what are you most afraid of right now and my oldest can attest to this when I, when I lack faith, when I go into the fear side, it's all medical bills and college right now. That's my error. But for you, what is it? What are you afraid of? Is that problem too big for God? Is it? Well, if it's not, then why would you try and handle things on your own without God? Why would you try and do that? So the question I asked you this morning, Generations, is can God deliver? Yes. Can God deliver? If you've put the kingdom of God first, can you count on God to meet your needs? So let me tell you the rest of the story about Asbury University. I heard this from Dr. Gray. So remember, right, NBC News came to them, NBC Sports Division came to them, needed the trailer. They needed the money. NBC would have paid an insane amount of money to rent this trailer. Well, the university leadership says to them, no, it's yours free, just all we ask is that when you're done, you bring it back. NBC didn't know what to do with that. So NBC came back to the college and said, hey, do you have any media comm majors? And they said, well, yeah. NBC picked a number, I can't remember how many, and they said, you pick X number of students, let's say 20 students, you pick the number of students we'll bring him to the Olympics and give them an internship like no tomorrow. What nobody expected was that when the Asbury students showed up, NBC people were like, whoa, you like know your stuff. You're competent from this podunk school in Kentucky, what? And you don't drink and you're sober and responsible, what? What, this is the best Olympics ever. And so NBC Sports went back and they said, you know what? Every Olympics from here on out, you send your students to us. We want them. So to this day, there's only one school in the entire United States of America that sends students to intern at the Olympics. And it resulted because of one act of generosity. All right? Fear will rob you of opportunities for god to do amazing things fear will rob you of opportunities for god to do what you could never do alone god can deliver